it's it's a reframe it's a reframe <laughs> right okay so it's Zeiss Hanukkah it's the eighth night of Hanukkah I'm going to try not to talk in riddles but the all of Hanukkah Hanukkah and Purim are really um, very ironic and paradoxical there's a lot of riddles there's a lot of like dimensions and frequencies that are all kind of swimming in and out of each other. Like the Gemara records a machlekes between Hillel and Shammai. When you light Hanukkah candles, do you start with eight and go all the way down to one, or do you start with one and go all the way up to eight? And the significance of the question, of this, this agreement, what's, it's fascinating. The Gemara has a, which is often, for, often happens in the Gemara, the Gemara records a machlekes to try to explain what the original machlekes is about, meaning there's a disagreement as to what the reasoning of Hillel and Shammai is. Shammai says you start with eight candles, you go all the way down to one. The, on Zoyz Hanukkah, you light one candle. And Hillel says on the first night, you light one, and on Zoyz Hanukkah, you light eight. So the Gemara records a machlekes as to what the reasonings are. But it seems pretty clear to me, at least, that in Panemius, what's happening is that one obviously means God, and eight is the world of Nisim, of miracles. And so it's not that Hanukkah ends on the eighth night of Hanukkah. It's that once you hit the eighth night of Hanukkah, you don't need to continue lighting candles anymore. The celebration ends. You don't need you don't need anything more. If, if 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 God is one, and Hashem can manifest Himself and and expand Himself and grow and grow and grow, kaviach, whatever that means. Uh, obviously, we're talking about in the world of tzimtzum, which is a kabbalistic thing. If Hashem if Hashem is a point, is a little nakuda in this big empty vacuum, and He can expand Himself into the vacuum to fill the vacuum up, by the time we hit the number seven, which is Teva, which is the world of nature, so then he explodes through nature and he ends up in the world that's beyond nature, and that's the world of Nisim, of miracles, and in that way, we don't need any more celebration, we don't need to light any more candles. So the eighth night of Hanukkah is the night that, at least according to us, the way we do it, is the eighth candle, and that's Hashem expanded, the number one expanded to eight. And that's the way we do it. According to Shammai, it's really just the other way around. Shammai says that you start with eight, you start with Nisim, and you start to whittle your way inwards until you get all the way to the Nakuda, the Nakuda, the one point, that's one tiny little point that exists in the world that contains everything. And that's really the Machlekas. But what I wanted to talk about is just a very simple, it's a simple Nakuda. And it's something that we've, we've talked about all the time, we talk about all the time, or I talk about all the time, but it's still something that's worth, worth repeating. And that is the, the, the majesty of Hanukkah. It's the majesty of what it means to be a human being, and it's the majesty of what it means to have a neshama that's put in a chelik olakami mal mamish, that's put into us. If you're following any of the any of the little little things I've been writing this this year Hanukkah, so just to review, just to, to just to speak it out, the world of Teva, the world of nature, which is really human nature, 
which in the world of, of Chabad, that's called the Nefesh HaBahamas. Human nature left unadulterated, left to its own, will take us into what the world looks like today, which is in many ways the most, I mean, the world today is the most advanced than it's ever been in the history of the world. We have expanded way beyond anybody's wildest imaginations. And the truth is, if we think about the, the generation we're in, who knows what's going to be, what our, what our, Emirates Hashem, what our children are going to grow up and what the next generation is going to have. Uh, we'll have flying cars. We'll have, you know, people won't, will use glasses instead of, instead of phones, glasses that, that will be much, much more advanced than anything we can possibly imagine. And so in the world of nature, the world continues to expand. And in a certain way, it seems as if, as, as if it's expanded way beyond itself. But nothing in the world today that we, that we see as expansion has expanded beyond seven into eight. Nothing has expanded from the world of Teva into the world of miracles. Because the world of miracles is not a dimension you could get to by just expanding nature more. You can't get, you can't get, you can't transcend into heaven by just trying to build more earth more materialism. I mean, that's what, that's what the whole mistake of the, of, of the Dara Flaga, of the Tower of Bavel, was that they tried to expand, expand earth enough, excuse me, grow as much as you can and become kings and gods in your own right, and then you'll touch a little bit of, of heaven. It doesn't work that way. You can't touch heaven by just expanding earth. You have to know how to get into heaven. And that's, in many ways, what the whole story of Hanukkah is about. It's about recognizing that there is a pach shel shaman, there is a jug of oil somewhere. And that jug of oil is the entrance into the world of miracles. And the world of miracles is really right here. Nisim and Teva are not, you know, two separate worlds. It's like, in many ways, they're really existing at the same time. Because once we die, time, cease to, time ceases to exist. And so we live in a dimension that's beyond time. are two worlds that are kind of superimposed into each other. The body lives in the world of and the neshama lives in the world of and somehow these two things, our whole life is, to, is always to try to figure out how to make those things work together synonymously. To enter into the world of miracles, we need, of course, the bridge that goes in the world of Teva, the world of seven into eight. We need the bridge that connects us from the earthliness here to the godliness that's also right here. And that, of, call, of course, is called the world of faith. That's called emuna. Emuna is the bridge that brings me from this world in Olam Hazeh to this world in Olam Haba. And so one of the things that, that, we, that we talked about in the last Shabbos year was expectations. And how expectations is really very much the most expanded version of Olam Hazeh. 
The world of Teva, in the world of Teva, we have all, it's filled completely with expectations. We need expectations. Expectations means that reality is consistent, reality is full of causation, reality is transactional. You give, you get whatever you put in, that's, that's the rewards you're going you're gonna to reap. Life works very much in the world of the six days of the week. Life works very much with the order and the way we rely on order so that we can invest in the world. The security we have that the sun will rise tomorrow allows me to wake up at, at a certain time. The fact that I know that gravity works allows me to, to walk. The fact that I know that I have money in the bank allows me to make investments. The fact that I know that I could work and get money allows me to work. Everything relies on the knowledge and the trust that reality is gonna work the, the way reality works. And that's really the seven-day cycle. How to explain Shabbos and how Shabbos fits into the number uh, seven, Teva, that's a whole, that's a whole discussion that, that we can have. But needless to say, the world of Teva is really dominated by the six days of the week. How do you get from the six days or the really the seven-day cycle, how do you get from Teva to Nisim, to Nase. So you need to have a Pakshal Shaman. And the Pakshal Shaman is called faith. It's called Amuna. And that Pakshal Shaman opens up and expands the earth to be able to contain heaven. That Pakshal Shaman, that little jug that's called Amuna, gives me the capacity to expand earth and go beyond earth into heaven. And how does that work? So in the most basic way, the way we talked about, is that faith, emuna, as a very psychological process, faith allows me to let go of expectations. It allows me to let go of the need to rely on Teva to work the way Teva works. It doesn't mean to be an idiot. It doesn't mean to say, oh, I don't, I don't trust that gravity is going to work, or I don't trust that the work that I put in is going to yield me money. That's not what it means. To let go, to surrender means that I surrender my need for reality to work a certain way. That's where the ego, the ego comes in. The ego looks around and says, I need reality to work a certain way. When I surrender my expectation, when I surrender my demand and I can let go of it all, then I'm left with vulnerability. Vulnerability, curiosity, vulnerability is very much part of the world of miracles. What vulnerability says is, I don't know what's going to happen in the next minute. I don't know. And I don't need to know. And so whatever happens in the next minute, I will experience as a miracle. I don't need to use my ego to determine what's going to happen now or what should happen or demand what's going to happen. I could leave everything up to God. And in that way, and this is a deep tire, in that way, all of Teva is a miracle. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about not some miracle where somehow you got hit by a car and it barely broke your thing and, and you ended up in the hospital bed and you almost died. Like, those are all miracles, of course, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about some epic, dramatic, crazy story where you see Nisim Gluim. I'm talking about in the most basic way, 
to define Nisan, to define miracles. To define miracles, it means to live in a state of vulnerability. And vulnerability means that I'm open at any given moment to be on the verge and on the cusp of, I don't know. And I don't need to know. And I'm not not knowing because I'm in fear. I'm not knowing because I'm in faith. So in very, very psychological terms, we're not, we haven't even introduced God yet. To, to, to balance between and to move between Teva and Nisim, you need Amuna. Amuna means that I have the capacity to surrender my need to have reality work the way I say reality works and allow reality to work its miracles. But how do we do that? How do we surrender? How do we allow ourselves to enter into the world of miracles, to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to experience Teva on, on, on Teva's terms, so to speak, and not need to force reality? What gives me the ability to have a Muna? What gives me the ability to connect to things that are beyond myself? So it goes right back to everything we've always said. It's the experience that a person has inside oneself of mattering. If I experience within myself that I matter, and I'm secure in that feeling that I matter, then I don't need to worry about anything else. If I can connect to Hashem in a way where I recognize that Hashem created me, and then when Hashem looks at me, it's the most magnificent sight that he sees. Then when I light the Hanukkah candles and I see the beauty of last night, the, here at least here in New York, the contrast between the darkness and the, the candles and the, the white of the snow and the yellow of the candles and all that, all that stuff. When a person can experience the magic, and it's, we have to use words like that, magic and magnificence and elegance, because it's very fantastical. Hanukkah is very fantastical. It's really the chance that Jews get at being very Hollywood-esque. We have a chance at fantasy, and that's, we, we get that on Hanukkah. It's magical. It's beautiful. When Hashem looks at me, that's what Hashem sees. Hashem sees a full-blown menorah lit up in the most glorious and majestic way. And Hashem says, that's, that's beauty. That's beauty. When I, as a human being, can taste that, can experience that, and feel that within myself, I don't need my ego. I don't need to force anything. I don't need. When, when I say I don't need, it's almost like, like a, a Buddhist kind of thing. I don't need to be attached to anything. Nothing needs to work out my way because there's no disappointment that's great enough to destroy the experience of Hashem looking at me. There's nothing in this world that can take away the magnificence of my neshama. Nothing. And so what gives me the ability to have amuna? it's the experience that when Hashem looks at me, He sees the most magnificent creation that He made. And the little bit that I can experience that in my life will allow me to pour into all the different aspects of my life in a way that everything that I do in my life is somehow trying to draw, to draw the light 
out of that beautiful experience and spread it throughout everything that there is in my life. For many of us, the world of Nisim, the world of spirituality, of magnificence, of, you know, big, beautiful things, for many of us, it seems to be like a contradiction to the world of Teva. The harsh reality of earth, materialism, competition, intimidation, expectation, like these are all things that seem to be, you know, discipline, that's, a, that's like a four-letter word for many of us, discipline, effort, consistency, these things all feel like they are in direct competition and in direct contradiction to creativity, to magnificence. And we can try to spend many, many years, whether it's in therapy or on our own, we try many, many years to try to figure out how to make, blend those two things together. And then we try to give up on it. And we try to say like, like we talked about last week or two weeks ago, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not so, maybe I'm not so magnificent. Maybe I'm not so, you know, emotionally connected. Maybe, I, maybe that's pathology. The whole purpose of Emuna, the whole concept of religion, what, everything that Avram Avinu wanted to do in this world is to turn to all of us and say, infuse a little bit of Emuna in everything that you do. Infuse a little bit of the beauty of, of a menorah. Infuse a little bit of the beauty of the magnificence of beauty itself. Infuse that in everything. Don't ever for a second doubt your neshama. Don't ever for a second doubt your own magnificence. And this is not just some kind of like pep, you know, pep rally. This is the reality of Panini Satara. This is what Panini Satara is here to give us, is to show us. Don't ever have a suffix in how magnificent you are in Hashem's eyes. Don't ever for a moment think that it's ever possible to destroy that magnificence. Don't ever for a moment think that there's anything you can do that can diminish the light of that magnificence. And it's bedafka when you start to feel broken and you start to feel down that you draw that light into the middle of that darkness. Because the darkness of pain, the darkness of disappointment, the darkness of not getting my expectations met, the darkness of people hurting me, the darkness, all the darknesses that exist, don't come close to the magnificence of, of your Minera. Nothing. I, it feels sometimes like it does, that's true. And that's an illusion. Because the reality is, that, like, like Rav Cook said, Ha'or Shaba'or, I don't know if it's a direct quote from Rav Cook, but it's certainly certainly the kind of thing Rav Cook would say. I, I saw it in one of, in one of the one of his Tamidim's svarim. The light of light shines much brighter than the darkness that dark that darkness than the darkness that darkness darkens. Beauty, the strength of beauty, the strength of living a life of vulnerability which is much softer than the life of expectations, the strength of that, the strength of that soft beauty, the strength of that soft, energetic, creative and sensitive life is a million times greater than all of the power that expectation can bring us. So we're getting together now at Zeiss Hanukkah,
We have eight candles. It's the world of miracles. Zeus Hanukkah. This is Hanukkah. This is Hanukkah means that reality is more expanded than the seven days of the week. Reality is much, much larger. It's much, much more beautiful than the mundane. We need the mundane, but we need to take the beauty and put it into the mundane. We need to never, ever, ever forget that beauty is really at the core of all of monotheism. That's really all of what Avraham Avinu, all of what Avraham Avinu came to is that there's got to be some rhythm. There's got to be some harmony. There's got to be some thread that's like thread through all of reality. It can't be like a bunch of fractured gods. It doesn't, the picture doesn't look right. Avram was a, was a rational poet. He was a rational artist. He needed to see symmetry. And that's what monotheism was, really, in its, in its, in its, in its raw way. So we're here together, and we want to use this time really to honor true beauty. We want to honor the beauty of what it means to not need my ego to fend for me in my life, to not need the harshness and, and the intimidation of all of the craziness that goes on in the world around us. We don't need to be loud. We don't need to force anybody to believe what we, what we believe. We don't need to change anybody's minds about things. We don't need to have any opinions about things. We just need to let ourselves be little old me and allow ourselves to learn more about ourselves, to be sensitive, to be open, to be spiritual, to be deep, to be goofy, to be fun, to be funny, to be corny, whatever it might be. Because the life of miracles is real and it's possible. It takes work, but we wanna honor those of us and those moments in our lives where darkness creeps in and sometimes takes over. We wanna honor the people that have been broken by other people or by Hashem. We wanna honor the challenges that we have. We wanna honor the disappointments we have. We wanna honor the averas that we've done. We wanna honor all the things that we yearn for that haven't been fulfilled. We wanna honor all the fears that we have. We wanna honor everything that might feel for a moment that it challenges our beauty. We wanna honor all those things and we wanna to say to those things that we embrace the darkness, we embrace the pain, we embrace the disappointment because those things are also a part of ourselves. They're also part of the contours of who we are, the beauty of who we are, because altogether, as individuals and as a community, we are a million times more magnificent than what any of us can fathom. And it's the biggest gullus that we're in, that we're afraid of beauty, we're afraid of darkness, we're afraid of disappointment, we're afraid of yearning, you know, that's the biggest, for, for me at least, the biggest korban is that we've forgotten how to yearn. And, and, and the biggest korban is, is that it's in the name of religion that we've forgotten how to yearn, right? We don't yearn, we don't, we don't think big, we don't think ideally, we don't connect deeply to our emotions. I was in a meeting today with a bunch of therapists to try to figure out if there's some way we could raise awareness for suicidality. In, in, in the firm community. And the one thing that everybody agreed on is, is, that, is that one, one of 
the hardest things about raising awareness of mental health in the Jewish community is, is that most Jewish, many Jewish communities don't value emotional experience. Forget mental health. Forget treating mental health. Just value emotional experience. In the name of religion, we have stamped out emotional experience. Yearning is the greatest aspect of being a Yid. Yearning means that you, you've tasted something of, of magnificence. You've experienced something beautiful. You've experienced something deep and holy and pure. And you yearn for it and you want it. And you want to, to search for it. You want to make your life about it. You want to read about it, learn about it, talk to people about it, light candles about it, show the world about it. So we hold candles to all of that and we honor all of that. And we dive into Hashem that Hashem keeps our eyes lit and open with the glasses that see the menorah, with a heart that sees the beauty in ourselves and the beauty in, in the other. And we should be zeichet to light candles of the menorah in the base of Mikdash with the Kain Gadol. And no more wars and just peace, and I can go on and on and on, but you get the point. Thank you, everyone.